Welcome to the Overcoming PTSD podcast. My name is Brad. I'm here with my my really, really good friend, also my <laughs> life partner. Um, we have a really good topic today. It's kind of a little bit of a controversial one, um, but Kayleen recorded a, sh- a video short on YouTube um, with the title, which she will reveal very shortly, and it was one of um, our most popular or her most popular shorts, and we decided to do a whole episode on it because we think it's a really valuable thing. It goes against a lot of the current beliefs about PTSD that are out there right now, uh, and I think it will really help shift some really core beliefs in your mind, in your mindset, and I'm excited to dive in. It's going to be really good. We're definitely going to get some really good into really good conversations here, some deep conversations, tell some good stories, so I'm, I'm excited to dive in. How you doing, Kayleen? Good, good. I'm, I'm happy to be here doing this with you, and... Um, I love when you call me your friend. Cause I we, said we I said friends. my very, very, very good friend. <laughs> no, it's cute. It's cute. <laughs> you did that at the beginning of last episode too, and it's it's cute. And I don't know if I love this. I love watching you smile and then being able to hear the smile in your voice. Right. I think it's just the, the listeners don't ever. care about that. All right. Well, <laughs> or maybe you do. <laughs> so this topic today is going to be around. I'm just I'm just embarrassed. That's all. <laughs> He's he's uh he's going flush in his ears, yeah. <laughs> like Ron Weasley. Um, this is you know we want to have a conversation about uh like like Brad said I I did a video on this a, a couple of months ago now maybe or a month and a half ago, and people were very interested in it and it was only a what a forty second video yeah that we did so we thought it would be a good opportunity to expand on it more and also of course get both of our perspectives on it and one of the things i love about our relationship not to be too lovey-dovey today but is how different brad and i actually are and how different our perspectives are and that's one of the many reasons i love doing content with you is because we're like complete opposites and we bring something totally different to the table. So when you see, you know, me on a YouTube video or me doing a piece of content, it's, you know, not not half the story, but there's so much more to be said. There's so much more to be to be learned and discussed. And it's so fun to sit here and do it. But I won't leave you in suspense any longer. Today we're gonna talk about, you know, we're gonna answer the simple question. The simple question. We'll see if it's simple. Can you self-cure PTSD? <clears throat> that is the question. So I think that so many people were interested in hearing kind of my response to that question, right? Because like, and for the sake of our our conversation here today, I'm not just gonna be like, yes or no. Um, But because of a couple reasons, right? Because I use the word cure. Yeah. And because we hyphenate that and the prefix is self, right? So because we say self-cure, Right. So like, what does that mean to like self cure something? And I I want you to think about for a second things that you believe can be self cured. Just like like take take a minute in your mind, like think about what do you believe can be self cured? And what I, I think is interesting in like that thought exercise is. I think, well, Brad, did anything come to mind for you? Well, I I know you're of a different perspective, but like thinking back, did would anything have come to mind for you? When you say self-cure? Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, like the first thing that comes to my mind is like cancer. Okay. That I don't know why. I'm just saying like that's, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is cancer. That can be self-cured. No, just that's just the first thing. Okay. Does anything come? Well, I think, I think the reason why is because, you know, Cancer 
is like supposedly this uncurable thing. Like many people believe that it's not curable or whatever. It can go into remission, but you might never be cured. At least that's, that's like my understanding. I'm not right, a right. cancer researcher or anything, but, um, and I, I, I don't know. Sometimes I, I imagine dark things just to see how I would deal with them. Um, like, I don't know if any, have you ever like imagined yourself going to prison just to see how, like how you would handle it? <laughs> you know, be like, I would be like the toughest guy in the prison. <laughs> it's like, not really. I'd probably, I don't know what I would do, but sometimes I imagine things and like cancer. I'm like, well, there's no real, I mean, there's, there's obviously treatments and things can go into remission and things like that. But when, if I was diagnosed with that, I know the first thing I would go to is like, what can I do? Right. That. <clears throat> Maybe nobody else is doing or suggesting su- suggesting that may may not be proven that could possibly help me. Mm-hmm. So basically, I would just dive into the research myself and see what can I do to self cure this myself, and I'll do everything else that I can. But just like it's another piece. So I don't know. That's just well, what came to my mind. I think actually that says a lot about your personality because the second I asked you that question, I was like, I shouldn't have asked because only, <laughs> <laughs> only because I I know you. Yeah, and the entire reason that we're having this conversation here today is because of you. And I'll explain that in a second. I do you want to cut in with something. Yeah. Well, I was going to say like that, the, uh, the founder of Sirius XM, such a wonderful story. Yes. Right. Um, who, what, uh, I don't remember her name, but I want to say it was like she Marlene or something. Oh yeah. It is something like that. But she launched, she launched, uh, satellites into space everybody thought she was crazy right but she did that built this amazing business and then was it her daughter or her son one one of her children right came down with this disease that was supposedly oh, incurable I forgot about this yeah 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 some, right i think some sort of heart condition that um oh i totally forgot about yeah, this yeah. and now i don't have the exact numbers or stats or anything but some sort of very very rare heart condition mm. that shortens life considerably with no cure with no cure known cure no that's, known cure that's important and, and that's always a great way to put it right when someone says there's no cure it means there's no known cure right right so she went to doctor after doctor after doctor no cure mm-hmm. nothing existed mm-hmm. right and there were tons of people in the world who suffer from this this ailment whatever it was well I it was extremely it was. rare but it was there rare but there's a lot of people a lot of people suffering from it yeah 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 I mean, still, when you have something rare, you can have thousands or millions exactly, of people. Exactly, right, exactly. In a world with billions of people, right? right. So, um, yeah, but then she she got to work. She took out all these books, started doing her research, starting to make mm-hmm. these connections. And uh, in her own mind, when I say connections, like she would read things and study and make ideas, connections between ideas. And she ultimately came up with a cure for this thing and mm-hmm. then started a whole organization or business or something around curing this. So she not only solved the problem for herself, she solved it for the entire world. Well, and what's extra beautiful. cool about this is, first of all, this woman is amazing. Like definitely. It's pretty incredible. Like, yeah. It's an incredible it's, story. It's an incredible story just to begin with. Like the serious XM thing was amazing. And then to go on and do, and there are many other things that she did sense, including printing organs. Um, oh, that's right. Like, yeah. <laughs> No, like really, really, really cool person. Um, but I believe the life expectancy for this disease that one of her children had was like 21 or something. And what's cool about that story is not only did she find like the the cure or, or whatever for her child the, and then extended their life, uh, 
started this organization. And I, I remember part of the story was she had stumbled upon this and then had taken it to some some doctors or some researchers or something and said like, hey, what about this? And they had kind of said like, well, there's really not enough people that suffer with this to make sense of putting the financial resources right, in right. to be able to to do this. Right. And so she then she did the organization on her own and, you know, was able to get these people this this medication. And to make it profitable, right? Um, I don't know profitability. But because she extended their life, right? So the more and more people, you know, kept being born with this disease. And now she's helping like more and more people every year because it's like, okay, the original 10,000 people that would have passed away now are still living and the new 10,000 people. So it, she just kept adding and adding and adding. And now she actually has this like, and I think that's how, what made it profitable is like, they overlooked the fact that, well, if you extend someone's life, you know, to a normal life expectancy, then like the recurring income from that? Yeah, the recurring income. So they basically. keep coming back, basically. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so what started as a very small organization of like, oh, we're helping maybe 10,000 people, for example, around the world. Mm. Well, then each year when more people are born with this, you just keep adding on to that number. Yeah. And um, so she's amazing for a lot of different reasons, but. Because I, like to, to build an organization like that, you need to be profitable. Like. That's something a lot of people don't understand. Mm -hmm. It's like to build an organization to actually help that many people, you need a profitable organization. You need to have the right model, right? Or else you can't help people. You can't produce the, I mean, unless it's a nonprofit and you have, you know, big donors and things like that. And that certainly happens. But um, even then it's like, well, it really helps if you want to spread your message to create something profitable. So that's like another impossibility that she did. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just really cool. And I love stories like that because, and that's like, those are the stories that like I, I looked towards on my recovery journey, mm -hmm. you know, in all facets of life. And I remember like specifically looking for stories like this, where it's like, where did somebody like a real person in life, where did they face something that everybody thought was totally idiotic mm -hmm. and impossible. And even maybe these people were shunned from society or even considered idiots in their own generation. And, and people didn't realize their genius until, you know, generations later. Right. Which is a funny thing because like, some beliefs that people have are so strong that they literally need to die. Like you need a new, you need a new generation yeah. to take on new beliefs. And that is such a crazy thing about like history and our own minds and stuff, but it's something that is preventable. Um, but I always like to look at those stories. Right. And right. this was one of those that kind of came up where like, you know, people said it was impossible for her to send satellites into space mm -hmm. to build this radio company. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Secondly, you know, to create, I mean, I'm sure there's more things, but impossible to cure this disease, mm -hmm. right? This was an incurable disease and you couldn't, third, you couldn't do it profitably because there weren't enough people mm -hmm. and all of those things. And like, that's the thing about with, with, with PTSD, it's like the, the common belief out there nowadays, and this is with PTSD and many other ailments or what do you call them? Diagnose, diagnoses. Um, that you might have, you might have multiple ones, but a lot of it is considered to be in, impossible or it's, it's considered to be a, a permanent thing that you have to have forever and that it's impossible to recover and that it changes your brain permanently for the rest of your life. And some very, very prominent and very, very popular people have that opinion. 
You know, I know this mm-hmm. person who has over 6 million followers on one platform, probably tens of millions of people across all different platforms that this person's on. And they hold this belief, very prominent, extremely intelligent, but still hold this belief that it's impossible to heal from PTSD. And it's wild. And that's why, that's why it's so, it's, it's something that it's such an important topic, like to answer the question, can you self cure PTSD? Because all the other inputs that you're getting are likely saying that, oh, you have to live with this forever. Oh, you just have to manage this forever. And we talked on this about this on our last episode where we said that, you know, a lot of the, the goal for a lot of people, especially like if, if you're going to a clinician, a psychotherapist or whatever, and they believe that it's impossible to heal, their goal is going to be management. It's going to mm-hmm. be, hey, let's keep you where you are. We're not even going to try to expand our horizons or our belief to maybe we can get you better than management or even a little bit better, right? right. You're stuck at that management level. And that's why questioning this. You know, maybe you were turned off by the question of like, oh, self-cure, or maybe all these other things started to come to your mind, but it's an important thing to question because what if it's that belief that is holding you back and that would hold you back until you died and it had to be a new generation to be born just to accept that that belief was broken. That this is possible. That's scary, right? Like what if this is the belief that you hold for the rest of your life that's wrong, that destroys your life? Right. Well, and there's many beliefs like that, right? Like, um, I don't want to like digress too much into our own <laughs> like personal oh, beliefs okay. on different things. Tell me about it. I want to uh, hear. Well, it. you know about it, right? <laughs> but you think about like uh, leading causes of death in at least the United States, like top like five, six, or seven uh, are preventable. Yeah. Right. And uh, so you think about something like heart disease, right? And so in the American culture, like number the, one killer. Number one killer, right? Heart disease, stroke is up there, one, two, or three, right? And uh, these are these are preventable illnesses because they're lifestyle illnesses. One hundred percent preventable. One hundred percent. Not even right? just preventable. It's like one hundred percent preventable. And you know, people just believe that. Well, you know, because my you know my parents, you know, had high blood pressure. I'll have high blood. Your parents had high blood pressure uh, because they because mm-hmm. the, their lifestyle throughout their entire life, right? And if you live a different lifestyle, you're going to have different results, regardless of what your genes say, right? And so there's a, you know, when you, when you kind of learn more about genes and the expression of genes, you know, because people will say, well, it's in my genetics, right? Uh, It's in my genes. You know, I have this gene. Well, genes are only expressed in certain environments, Right. So it takes certain conditions for genes to be expressed. So even if you have a certain gene, it doesn't determine your fate. What does that mean? Like it's only expressed in certain environments. Like, can you give an example? Um, well, I, I think that, I think this stuff is interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm not an expert on it, so I don't want to like speak to it and like say the, the wrong thing to like educate someone about like genes. But um, uh, let me think if I can like. Say you have, I don't know, like, right? So, like, for me personally, right, like, throughout the past however many generations, high blood pressure has run in my family, right? And Mm -hmm. so, you know, basically the message that I got growing up is, like, you have to be careful about this. And why this is relevant when I'm younger, right, is because, you know, rather than, like, older, right, like, you might not have to worry about if 
high blood pressure runs in your family or heart disease runs in your family until way later is because uh, like certain medications I was on, right? So when I would go and like when I was younger, be on, on birth control or something, that's, it's really important information to know. And so they ask you about your history of, you know, do you have a history of stroke? Do you have a history of heart disease in your family? Do you, do you have a history mm-hmm. of these things? And I did have a history of those things. And they said, okay, well, he, there are certain medications that you can't be on because of your family history. And I didn't understand at the time the the concept that, you know, your family history is, while there are genes you share with your family, there are also lifestyle things you share with your family, right? And so my parents and their parents and their parents and their parents led very similar lifestyles in regard to the way that they eat and the way that mm-hmm. they exercise and the way they take care of themselves. I live a very different lifestyle than that, yeah. right? So even though I share the same DNA with them, uh, you know, these these diseases are are preventable, And they're not present in your life now. So basically what you're saying is that the lifestyle choices determine the expression of the genes and whether or not something appears in your life. And I, I, again, I don't want to get this wrong for like, for listeners, right? But like if, right, I I have certain recessive genes and you have certain recessive genes, like it takes a certain situation for those recessive genes to come together and like Mm -hmm. be present in one of our children, Right. right? So it takes certain factors, like my recessive genes aren't, uh, present mm-hmm. like in my uh, the way that I look because the environment is wrong right and so the recessive genes that I pass on to our kids won't be present for them in the way that they look unless something matches up with you and the right environment is created does that make sense sort of <laughs> so I, I don't like to talk about that right or like to talk on that because I'm certainly no expert on that um, and I have very, very little experience even attempting to explain what kind of has been explained to me in that regard. But the, the idea is like, you're not like your, your fate is not determined by your DNA. Your fate is not determined by what genes you do so or don't point. have. Yeah. That's the whole point. Right. So, you know, when it comes to, and again, like, and are you saying that there's people that, that have that kind of belief that like, oh, this runs in my family. Right. With in regards to like PTSD and and mental health stuff. Um, I that's that's not where I was I was going with it. It was yeah. just like the general conversation about like health, right? And the belief that like, oh well, heart disease runs in my family and thinking that that's something out of your control. Right. So if you think that that's in your genes and it's out of your control, you're not even gonna look to lifestyle. You know, you're not looking to the environment to mm-hmm. you know, so determine your future. So basically it's like I, I don't have control over my PTSD because my everybody's telling my brain has changed permanently and I'm gonna have to live this way forever. So then I don't actually look at the things that I can do to fix it. Right. Because right. so basically you're just make you're making I mean you, you you create this belief in your mind, but essentially you make an excuse at the end of the day, right, that I can't do this because of this. Right. Like I can't lose weight because of my genes. Exactly, I can't, exactly. I can't That's heal because right. my brain is damaged. Right. 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 And ultimately, like that, that kind of belief, especially unquestioned, right? And that's the most kind of, that's the most dangerous unquestioned beliefs. Right. Right. When you just believe it just because. And then a lot of times, because you're too afraid to question it. It's like, well, what if, what if I'm I'm wrong? Exactly. And then what happens, and this happened to you a lot, right? Where you had a hard time questioning your beliefs because you felt that if you were wrong, you were stupid. And then you started to spiral and beat yourself up. Right. And that's a very common thing. And it prevents people from looking at themselves honestly, which is such an essential thing in recovery. 
So you need to be able to look at your beliefs, question these beliefs. You know, is it possible to heal? Do I believe it's impossible? Do I yeah. believe that, you know, I'm stuck like this forever? Or like, I've we know people who have <laughs> gone through trauma more than like crazy, like crazy amounts of like horrific things. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, suffered from that and the PTSD and the fallout from that for literal decades in their entire life, you know, and even then you have to question that belief and we work with people to help them question that belief. Right. And those people, I find it so inspiring and so amazing, you know, that they're willing to be open enough. And sometimes it's desperate enough because you're in so much pain that you don't have a choice to question your beliefs. And unfortunately, like that's where the point that, or a point that a lot of people get to, it's like, oh, I... I don't want to question my beliefs so much that I have to be forced to like basically the brink of suicide, right? To question this core belief, right? And I'm right. not saying that happens to everybody, but sometimes it's like you have to be pushed all the way down. How many layers of hell are there? Uh, in Dante's Inferno? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, seven or nine. The, or whatever. Seventh layer of hell before you actually change. And hopefully, like, that's why we do what we do is so you don't have to go fall that far down. Or if you have fallen down, that we still you know, help dig your way back out from that. Well, and I have a a quick story about uh, a podcast listener who turned client and and I was just talking to her last month and she said, you know, I listen to your podcast and, you know, or, or rather, you know, I was kind of like starting my healing journey. I got a job where I could do a lot of listening because it was a very like mundane, repetitive task. Which is cool. And, um, she started listening to podcasts, just podcasts on PTSD. And she said, I listen to your podcast. And, uh, I said, no, that's not for me because she heard me say like, it's possible to heal and all these different things. And she heard me talk about how, you know, many other people who give a front of, of trying to help you can actually do more harm than good because they share a lot of traumatic stories and they focus on the negative and they're not focused on getting you to the goal of full recovery. Yeah. They're maybe focused on helping you cope or manage or sharing well, stories and stuff like that. Cause they're focused on, because since they hold the belief that all you can do is manage what they do is help whether they know it or not. And they're probably not consciously doing this, but just by the fact that they're out there sharing that belief that you have to manage this forever, they are helping build the belief in other people, in their listeners that it's impossible and you have to manage this forever. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so this listener turned client, you know, she said, so I was listening to those other podcasts and, you know, your voice just kind of rang in the back of my head and I realized you were right. So I went back and I listened to your podcast and then I joined your program and uh, now she's like <laughs> doing amazingly well. She well, has she's in a absolutely new job. crushed it. She's, she's either butt. training for or in her new job. Okay, she's okay. like right on the brink uh, or her dream job, not a new job, her dream yeah. job. And uh, she's doing things she enjoys again. I think Which happens. Like scuba diving and okay. swimming and. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I think they they call it free diving. I'm not sure if that's something different. Mm. Um, but doing things she enjoys again and going for walks and like she has done the processing and she's like like months if not sooner away from being like totally completely fully healed. Like yeah. fully healed. Yeah. Which and is like it's interesting too because when you think about like healing and full recovery it's easy to think of it in a binary state, right? She's not fully fully healed yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. she landed her dream do- job. She's out living life, you know, free diving, whatever, mm-hmm. all this yeah, other, yeah, yeah. this cool stuff, um, being social again. Mm-hmm. 
and she's still working on herself. Yeah. But like, that's where, I mean, a lot of what you would call normal people live in that kind of tolerable level of pain. So like, even if you don't believe in full recovery, it's like, well, you don't even need to technically fully recover to get your life back. And a lot of times when people join our program, they like learn the relief tools, the coping tools, and they just get like a semblance of control over their life yeah. where they get control of, of their triggers. Right. And they're able to function again. Exactly. And like that little Very bit quickly. of knowledge in like your book, The Art of Trauma Relief, which you can get a free copy at theartoftraumarelief.com if you're interested. Highly recommended. The awesome Art book. of Trauma Relief.com. The Art of Trauma Relief.com. Um, in there, um, you go through those relief tools and mm-hmm. so many amazing reviews of that. So it's yeah, like, it's, yeah, an, yeah. it's, it's really, really incredible. Um, but I, I, I love that story because that's where so many people like, oh, almost every success story is like, I, 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 I listened to your podcast or I saw you on YouTube and I thought you're just completely full of, full of snake oil. Yeah. Something S word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I started listening and then more and more, it's like, oh, it starts to make sense. And then I just, I took the chance, right? Like I took the chance yeah, took and leap. it's, it's really cool um, to see it time and time again. It's like frustrating, you know, on one hand where, I mean, that's why we do what we do is to change those beliefs. And at the same time, it's like frustrating that so many people have been led astray. Right. That I Like we shouldn't have to have to hear that. Right. You know, like we shouldn't have to hear like, oh, you change, like why, why, why is it so hard or why is it not widely known that you can heal? Right. It's like. Well, and probably the biggest piece of hate, and I want to go back to something that you said about um, kind of like being honest and exploring beliefs in a second, but the biggest like message that I get, I get a lot of like hate mail messages, whatever. Oh, really? And um, (laughs) I don't read them, but um, what the majority of them are, are some semblance of, you know, if this was true, the whole world would be doing it, right? Whoa. Okay. First of all. Second of all, uh the the second like biggest thing is like this is snake oil and oh and you shouldn't be giving people hope false hope false hope usually yeah right and say. uh you know though those you know they, they don't bother me because i don't read them now and you know because i know i can't change those people's mind but what breaks my heart is that those people are out there telling yeah, other people yeah. these messages that it's impossible and you you can't heal and um, all these different things. And to go back to our original question here today, right? Can you self-cure PTSD? First, I think we want to answer the question, right? Can you cure PTSD, right? And the very, very short answer is yes. But I want to take a step back for a second because Brad some, said something important earlier. And he said something along the lines of like, Killeen had to get, you know, I had to get honest with myself and figure out how to open my mind up to the fact that I could be wrong. And that was very, very difficult for me. And I think right. for some people, it's very difficult for other people. For you, Brad, I, f- I feel like you have a much easier time with that. Maybe it's just in some areas or maybe you just deal with well, it differently. Yeah. And I mean, there's there's kind of two sides to that. Um, like in my perspective, it's easier to see. And I tend to be more logical than emotional. So I'm, I, I can see kind of the inconsistencies yeah. In your beliefs in the way, like, like a really great, if you're, if you're around somebody, like a really great way to discover what that person's beliefs are is to really listen to what they say and what they do. 
Mm-hmm. And that really reveals what their beliefs are. And then from there, you can kind of break it down into its component parts, ask why a lot and, you know, figure out why do they believe that. And I I, I found that a lot of the things that you believed weren't what I believed to be true. Mm-hmm. And like, that's, that's like how a lot of things happen. And I'm not saying that I'm always right, but we had a really great relationship where I could be honest and you were, you were receptive to it. And that was like, yeah, that was the linchpin that, kept our whole relationship together was that you, you were receptive to change. And I wasn't trying to, I mean, I was trying to change you in the way that I was trying to help you get better and help you become aware of things that could possibly improve you and improve your life. And cause I was like, I didn't have a guarantee. I didn't know these things, but I'm like, I have a, I have a feeling and my, the way that I broken it down in my mind, I believe that you can heal. And I believe that you can do these things. And I believe that, you know, what you're believing now about yourself isn't right. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, like, for example, like you thought you were a monster and a terrible person. I'm like, I don't believe that you right. have a lot of really great moments. You have a lot, like you, you do so many kind things for other people and mm-hmm. you do so many kind things for me and so many kind things for Shiloh. Like that's who you are. You're not that monster. That monster part is pain. It right. is not you. It is pain. Right. And that's how I broke it down logically. And then I would explain that to you. Right. Yep. From my kind of detached perspective, which makes it a lot easier. It does. And you were receptive to that. And that's that's where a lot of change could occur, you know, was in that. And we had such a beautiful relationship with that. Um, but, or slash and, I had a challenging time with my own beliefs, mm-hmm. right? It's a skill that you have to learn. And this right. is something that we talk a lot about inside of our program. If you're a member of Recovery Secrets, we spend a lot of time on beliefs and helping you build the skills of, um, you know, being able to challenge your own beliefs. Cause ultimately that's what you need to do. You know, like I helped, I like, I don't want anybody to get the wrong, like wrong uh, impression that I did everything for Kayleen. And I, I told her all of the wrong beliefs and stuff. <laughs> like I was definitely there and I definitely helped her, but she did the vast majority of the work on her own, um, which kind of will lead to, you know, kind of the self care part. part yeah. uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good at that. And I, I, I can see things very clearly in you and other people generally. I don't want to sound, uh, like I'm, I don't want to posture or anything cause I'm not perfect. I don't want anybody to think that I'm like, I think I'm perfect at, you know, identifying other people's beliefs and seeing things perfectly logically all the time. I'm an emotional human being mm-hmm. like I am. <laughs> I make yeah. many bad decisions and emotional decisions. I get emotional. <laughs> I get scared. I get all these things. Um, and it took work to question my own beliefs, but that is, that's where the magic really happens is when you become aware of, oh my God, I believe this thing. Right. And it's not true. And I've been making all of my decision based off this faulty belief. And I'm trying to think of one. And if I do, I'm, I'm going to, we'll continue here, but yeah, if yeah. I think of one, um, I'll bring it up because I think it would be a really good example. Well, and I think you said it right just there, right? Like I'm making all my decisions based off of this faulty belief. And like, if you're not at the point where you can say like, I believe that it's impossible to heal PTSD, right? Just like consider how that feels. If you believe it, it's going to feel like certain to you, right? And you don't have to go straight from like, I believe it's impossible to heal to healing is possible and I can do it. Like there's a process to this, but like start to consider like, could it be possible? Just start to ask like, and that's how you start to change beliefs. You start to ask. Could it be possible to get a little bit better? Right. Yeah. So what you do to change a belief is you start to, really poke holes. You try to poke holes with questions. You know, could this be wrong? Could it be a little bit wrong? 
even just in a, a tiny little way. Right. Then you chip away at it. And then really what that does is it stress tests the stress tests the belief. It's not like we're trying like if it's a good solid belief and it's true, it will hold up to scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So like if you question it and you're like, yeah, yeah, this is true. Yeah, this is true. And you're not you're not denying or lying to yourself. Like that's what's gonna happen. But so questioning questioning any of your beliefs and most of your beliefs is is a powerful thing because you'll determine which are the right ones, which are the wrong ones. And, and I really think what gives you a lot of confidence as well. Yeah, uh, and that's that's great, right? Confidence. But I also think like where people can get caught up is like, or it took me a long time to learn that because if I have a belief that's not correct, it doesn't make me wrong or bad or no. stupid or anything like that. Like. To me, the smartest people in the world, the people I most admire, are the people that reflect and question and change, mm-hmm. and really truly change based on right. the honest know, people. The on the honest people, because that's what it, it is. Like I'm honest. Like I'm gonna change because, like if they if they weren't honest, they wouldn't change. They wouldn't accept that they were wrong. Mm-hmm. Right, and that can be a challenging thing to do. And they explore it, right? Yeah. And that's what I've noticed too. Is like they are not. Uh, insecure about beliefs they look at them more logically and they Mm -hmm. say well okay well let's explore that I don't know if it's right or wrong let's explore it though and are comfortable with that exploration so I encourage you to like take a deep breath take a step back and start to get comfortable just explore it just start to explore it right and like Brad said ask why 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 you know why do you believe it's impossible to heal PTSD and this is an exercise Brad and I did together many years ago and, uh, you know, one of the things people will tell around is, well, your, your brain changes when you uh, are traumatized. Right. And, uh, that's true. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's true. That's true. They have brain scans. They've proven it. Yep. That's true. Your brain changes when you, when you go through a trauma. What people don't do is finish that sentence, <laughs> which is. Your brain also changes, like the physical structure of your brain, the things that change when you experience trauma, change back when you mm-hmm. heal. Okay, and so... And there's literal brain scans of that as well. Yeah. Like they've... So many people get caught up in... in it, it's probably... it's. I, I would imagine it's because that research and those studies came out first, right? Right. It's like when you study somebody's brain with PTSD and then you compare it to a healthy person's brain, you can say like, oh, when somebody has PTSD, it changes their mm-hmm. brain, right? And then that belief starts to flourish and it starts to, you know, really get a hold in. Well, and there's another reason for that too, okay? And I don't know if you remember growing up, but I remember growing up that the knowledge at the time, the data, the facts, whatever, that they were they were teaching at the time was your brain stops growing after a certain point oh yeah right yeah. so it was, it was like, like 18 tw- 21 24 whatever it is and i remember being in elementary school we went to an assembly <laughs> on helmet safety for you know bicycling right and i remember just good wear your helmets everyone. wear your helmets definitely wear your helmet right but i remember the message you know we were we were with the cop right and uh you know the, the cop was showing us how to how to put a helmet on and you know, it, it only took three seconds and says this, that, and the other thing and did a demonstration. It was, it was really, really a great presentation. It was really, really powerful. And, um, what, what I remember most was after, you know, he had done all of that, that demonstration telling us why it was so important, right? Three seconds to save your life, three seconds to save your brain, because 
once your brain is damaged, you can never ever, ever repair it, right? And now, you know, he was talking about getting a concussion, but the also the message during that assembly was that your brain, you know, like it stops growing after a certain point, right? And so I remember going back, you know, as he was sending us off to the classrooms again, he had kind of left us with the message like, you know, make sure you study hard and, and like, you know, hit the books because you can only get this information, you know, while you're young, basically. And that was the message that I got. So it was like, well, what, after 18, 20, 21, I just can't learn anything yeah. ever again, <laughs> right? And so that was the knowledge at the time, like your brain can't grow. And now we know differently. Your brain can grow and change throughout a lifetime. And so- Literally until you die. Mm-hmm. Your brain will be growing if you, if you take care of it. Right? So exa- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it, it's not a guaranteed thing. That's the other part of it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of, a lot of people's cognitive abilities decline after retirement because when you're working, you're using your brain a lot more than in retirement. So things typically t- tend to decline after that point, which is really interesting. And the way that you eat and take care of yourself and exercise yeah. or don't like th- these, all these things affect your brain. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. So, so the way that I think about it sometimes, right, just to, to get back, right, is... Let me say something real quick. Sure. So we talked about, like, the brain scans, right? Yeah. So we said, like, okay, people, you know, people, a common belief is that, okay, or a common argument um, is it's impossible to heal PTSD because your brain has changed, mm-hmm. right? And that's because there are brain scans proving the fact that your brain does change yeah. when you go through a trauma. Um, there were studies done when people... So they, they went through a specific process to mm-hmm. process their, their traumas. Yep. So these were people who had PTSD. Yep. Um, went through, through like three to 12 weeks of like processing uh-huh. their, their trauma. And they did another brain scan and it literally reversed the effects. The exact, the exact parts of the brains the brain that grew and shrunk from trauma and PTSD reversed. Not only that, though, I don't know if you remember this. They got, you know, depending on what we're talking about here, like we're talking about the hippocampus and the amygdala, really, but um, they got, we'll just put it simply, better. They were actually better, stronger than when they started. Right? Was that Shapiro's study or was that? That was Shapiro. I missed that part. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I remember, that's interesting. I remember being like, oh my gosh, like that's even <laughs> wow, better. Wow, you can get better. Because that's something, that's something what, we've always said, yeah. right? Was like, you you heal from PTSD and not only do you heal, you get better and your the the trials and tribulations that you had to go through to get to full recovery make you a better person and in, in fun words, make, give you superpowers, right? Yeah. You're able to handle things that you weren't able to previously and that's like the... Um, quintessential hero's journey is like you go through this Mm -hmm. really hard time and at the end of it you go through this transformation and you're better off because of it right right and um so i didn't know that that's really interesting uh, it's it's amazing i gotta gotta go through that again you know what you you forget after a certain period of time you know you read it many years ago and you you lose some of the information but to to go back like the way i like to think about this and the way i like to encourage people to think about their beliefs and the reasons that they may or may not have certain beliefs i want you to ask yourself is the sentence finished right because when someone says your brain changes when you're traumatized 
there's a comma at the end. You just, you, you think it's a period, right? So ask yourself, like, is the sentence, is there more information to this that I don't have that I right. don't see? And then when you start to open the door to that, when you start to explore that, you'll find that, you know, people all over the world have healed. Yeah. People have healed, whether by miracle or not, people have healed from all sorts of different things. Yeah. People have healed from cancer. People have healed and reversed heart disease. Like there's all sorts of things mm -hmm. that are happening. Mm -hmm. We just don't always see it, right? And that's when you get curious because like if there's no cure, how are these people getting better? Right. Right? If it's impossible to heal from PTSD, then how did this person get better? How did you and do it? this was a foundational thing for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we looked, we searched out, and this is an important thing. We searched out for the other side, right? We, cause to me, it's like, no, there's no way that this is going to happen forever. Like I had a conviction that wasn't backed by anything, but then I looked for, <laughs> I mean, confirmation bias in, in a good way in this, in this, in this, uh, in this case, but, um, I looked for examples if there was examples of anybody who healed. And then to me, it was like, I latched onto that. Yep. And I shared it with you. And I'm like, this yeah. person healed, Louis Zamperini. Mm -hmm. He was one of the first people who I found who had tremendous, like, for those of you who don't know him, uh, World War II vet, uh, crashed out of a plane, was held as a POW, went some, through really insane things over there, mm -hmm. came back home, went through severe PTSD for a long time, mm -hmm. ended up healing. And for him, it ended up being like divine intervention. Mm -hmm. Um and at that time I, I thought I looked at it logically. I'm like, well, okay, well, cause for all like that, and that's good and well for, for those of you who, who believe in those things. But I like, I like to look at things at in different ways. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, well, if it wasn't divine inf intervention, what was it? Right. And if I, if I don't believe in divine intervention, he still healed his PTSD. How did that happen? Right. So just because, you know, he says that it, it came from, you know, from God or whatever, he was healed from God. If you don't believe in God, it doesn't mean that he didn't heal from PTSD. He healed from PTSD. How right. did he do it? Right. Like, what are the things that he did? Did he take certain actions? Did he release certain emotions? Did he challenge cer certain beliefs? Mm -hmm. You know, and those were all the things that we started to uncover. And then we found more people and more people. And then it just, it's, it's amazing. So like you start questioning that, that belief and we got behind not only that, right? Because not everyone who who has PTSD is public about it. And oh, not everyone who heals is public about it. I also get messages all the time that say, hey, I, I healed my PTSD too. And I think what yeah. you're doing is great. We have we have a podcast listeners or this one podcast listener that sticks out in my head. Who's like, I listened to your podcast. He posted this on Facebook. I, um, I, I listened to your podcast and I, I healed about 80% of all my trauma. Yeah. I'm like, holy cow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Right. So like, and, and you, you would be surprised how many people in our private community and private membership heal. And they're like, Hey, I want to inspire people, but I also want my life to be private private. Yep. So they're not out there, you know, telling people well, or, there's even, a or even to mental health or even like recording like an interview with us. Oh, won't even, won't do a testimonial. And, won't and even, not you know. like absolutely nothing against them. Cause that's what we want. We want them yeah. to get back to their life and exactly. it doesn't matter. Like to us, it's like at all. But the point, the point is that there's people healing that you don't see that are healing. And we see it every single day. We do, yeah. Every single day. You know, just today there was that person, we talked about this earlier, mm -hmm. who's like, you know, 
I was ex- exceptionally skeptical when I joined. Uh, but now one week in, I'm seeing massive changes. I can't wait to see Most what happens when I finish the program. Like we we love the skeptics. Brad's a skeptic. I'm a skeptic, right? It's okay to be skeptical. It's it, good. It's good. It, and it's it's going to it's going to help you on this journey cuz right away you're going to be able to see like when you dive in, you're going to be you're going to see, wow, this is legit, right? And that's yeah. always the message that we get. And to go back to your point about it being private, right? That was my first objection to doing anything like this. <laughs> Brad had kind of come to me with this idea and of, he was like, "No. Of nope, helping people." No. No, not at all. Never. That's literally what I said. I was like, nope, take a <laughs> hike. Like, Let's go for a walk. Yeah. And no, he actually took me out to breakfast at our I favorite. Think I took you out for breakfast. a walk. I'm like, then we talked, blah, 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 blah. How would I take you out for breakfast? Maybe not. Maybe that's not how it occurred, but that's what I I think it was breakfast and then a walk. Okay. Yeah. And then- um, A walk occurred. <laughs> it was our, our breakfast joint. It was the first place we ever went on a date. So it was super sweet. And uh, what I said to him was like, no, I just want to live my life. Like I've done this. I just, I spent so much time thinking about this. Not like it's painful to think about, just like it's been con- all consuming and I just want to just well, do. Well, and the stigma, right? And There's the stigma, stigma too. And, like, and it was for a long PTSD, time, something like I I hid from, from friends and family. And, oh yeah. Oh, um, yeah. You know, even after doing everything that we've done, you know, people shy away a little bit and they don't talk about it and they don't say it and they, you know, they don't bring it up and stuff like that. But, um, kind of getting back to our kind of original point. Right. So I think we answered the question, you know, can, can you cure PTSD? Right. And I don't use the word cure and I I did a YouTube video on this, but I, I use the word heal because cure to me sounds, it sounds magical. It sounds, here's a pill. Exactly. You know, he, yeah. he, here's a supplement, whatever. And you know, you're, you're cured. better you're instantly. Cured. Great. Good yeah, job. You're right. From it. Um, that's, that's the perception. And some people have weird, not maybe not weird, differing, uh, uh, opinions or beliefs about what cure means. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a more, I believe more accurate is heal and a more widely accepted one is heal. Yeah. Like fully heal. Fully heal. And we we have a definition um, for that, which we don't have to get into today, but uh, we can definitely get into. In, it'd be good. Yeah, it'd be a good. In, it'll be another good episode. It could be its, its own sure. episode. Um, But not only, you know, when we were kind of, and Brad was the genesis of this, right? Because he had kind of pointed out some of my beliefs and he was basically like, Kaylee, I love you, but I, I want to spend my life with you, but I cannot, I cannot accept that this will be your life forever. And this will be our life. I couldn't be with that life forever. Like I, like it just, first of all, it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't work period. It it doesn't matter if, even if I wanted it, it just wouldn't work. So we started, you know, exploring together and he started exploring. And not only did we look for people who had healed PTSD, um, which there are a handful publicly, but we started looking for just people who had done amazing things done the impossible right so we talked about the serious xm woman today right has done the impossible actually oh she did a podcast with tony robbins that's what it is um done the impossible many times over yeah right and so we just started saying okay well these people have done the impossible we can do the impossible right right and we're eventually able to kind of figure out how to do that and also literally everything is impossible until Until it's it's done and then you also, it's like, so it was that, it was like building that belief in ourselves. Like, mm-hmm. you know, literally everything is impossible until it's done. And then everybody's like, oh, of course, of course it's possible. Right. <laughs> right. I was like, duh. And then, um, 
and then we also had the belief that or the the the, the references or the support of other people that we searched out and we found that healed mm-hmm. so in combination it's like well okay well just because somebody says it's impossible does not mean it's impossible that's a, a, a first the first belief that we built mm-hmm. that's a good belief to hold you know just because somebody else says it's impossible doesn't mean it's impossible mm-hmm. right that's a good thing for for you know you guys to to think about right and then if somebody else if multiple if we found multiple other people who have done this heal PTSD on their own by the way mm-hmm. then how can it be impossible? So then from there, it just shattered it. And, it, and, and from there, it was just about, okay, how do we actually how? do that? Right. We know it's possible. Now it's down to just like, how do we do that? And that's what we spent years and years figuring out and really digging into. But um, let's get into the self part. I was just going to say that. Let's, right? let's talk about, can you, can you self cure? Can you self fully heal? Can you self heal? Right. And I have a, I have a, a bold statement. Do it. I would say that, the only way that you can heal is through yourself. I love that. You are the only person who can heal <laughs> yourself. And, and and that's like in the, like, like you are the only person, even if you're getting outside help, you are the only person who can walk down this road. It is your mind. They are for better or for worse. They are your emotions. They are mm-hmm. your thoughts. Everything is literally happening in your head. Right. Right. And I'm not just saying, you know, I'm not like, you know, some people say, oh, it's yeah. just, it's all in your head. No, that's not no, what I'm he, saying. That's not it's what he's like, saying. <laughs> it's in your, it's in, it's yours. No one else can do it for you. Even if they are like giving you advice or you go to a therapist or whatever, and they, they tell you something or whatever. It's like, they're telling you something and then you are taking the steps. Right. You are taking the steps. You have to be. You took the steps to go there and then you are taking the steps in your own mind to heal. So literally the only way that you can heal is through yourself. And the best way to heal yourself is to empower yourself with the tools and the knowledge so that you can independently heal outside of a therapist's office, outside of a doctor's office, outside of a, well, medication isn't even healing. It's just right. it's covering up the right. symptoms and changing, changing your brain chemistry so you feel better. Um, but the, so, so the only way you can heal, my belief, the only way you can heal is like through yourself. And the best way to heal is if you empower yourself with the tools so you can do it as much as you want, whenever you want, and as quickly as you want. Yeah. And that's the way that we do do it. And we believe, I believe, there is going to be this revolution, this big change in kind of the mental health therapy space, how you treat quote unquote mental illness. Because mm-hmm. like even that, there's a huge stigma of like, oh, you have a mental illness you have that forever, right? You have depression, you have depression forever. You have OCD, you have OCD forever. Mm-hmm. You have all these le- letters and you have that forever. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a big shift and that's something that I hope that we can we can push, yeah. push along, yeah. that there's going to be this huge self-therapy revolution where people stop, stop putting their life and their loved ones and their future in the hands of therapists. Not that they, they, they shun therapists 100%, not that they like hate therapy or anything like that, but the mindset shifts from I need a therapist to I need to learn this myself. I need to shoulder this burden, this like, and I need to work. I need to walk this road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I need to carry the responsibility for myself in my life. And I am going to step up and I'm going to have the courage to face this thing Yeah, because 
I truly believe to my very core because there's no other argument that I've seen or heard that can dispute that. You are the only person who can take the steps. Even if somebody's helping you, you have to take the steps. Like if you go to like, if I, like I went to a therapist and I, I, uh, did, uh, IFS, right. Or EMDR. I did both of those. Um, EMDR is probably a little bit more popular. So you guys might know that. Um, and the way that it works is that they, uh, my therapist gave me tappers of so vibrators in, you know, both my hands and then said, you know, what's a distressing memory. Right. And I'm like, okay, I have, I have it. Right. And then I had to close my eyes. I had to visualize it. I had to put myself in that distressing spot and I had to process that. And I had to, I had to feel my emotions and start to release those emotions. Right. I was the one who had to do all that stuff. So it can be guided. You can be aided, but you ultimately have to do it. And then the last point is like, once I left that therapy session, I had nothing at that point in time. I didn't know the tools. So I had to wait a full week to go right, back for another right. 15, 50 minutes. And I, I squeezed the most out of that. And I asked that therapist, can I come back every day? And she's like, and most we can do is twice a week, maybe. And then she'd go on vacation sometimes. But, and I, I would, I would be like, I would, I would come in. I'd be like, all right, let's go. Yeah. Let's do it. No small talk. Literally. Let's Cause I'm it. like, I'm paying you a hundred dollars an hour out of my pocket. I didn't have insurance per 50 minute session mm-hmm. or I think it was more than that. Um, let's do this. I'm here to heal. Let's get this done. And even then it was like, I had nothing to do on my own. Right. Right. Nothing. And I that's, didn't know how I mean, to do anything. Like you're, you're talking about your life here. Right. And we talked about this in the last episode. You're, for lack of a better term, you're, you're really, it's, it's pretty high stakes. You're playing with fire here. You're talking about your life. Yeah. Right. And so do you want your life to be based on 50 minute sessions once a week? Right. And that it, it's, I'm, I'm not saying it's going to hurt you. Right. But another way I want to frame this is in the frame of addiction. Right. So, you know, for those of you who suffer with addiction or have found sobriety from an addiction, you'll know that it doesn't work unless you work it. Right. And the tw- for those of you who have done the 12 steps, it's like, the 12 steps are not curing you of addiction. They're not keeping you sober. Who's showing up to those meetings? If that's what's helping keep you sober, who's showing up to the meetings? Who's showing up? If you're working with a therapist for addiction, who's showing up, right? It, if you know, you're saying no to that drink, you're showing up to the meetings, you're showing up to therapy, you're, you're not going to the bar, you're, you know, you're not buying the alcohol, like it's you. It's you, even if you're using the 12 steps, even if you're going to therapy, it has to be you. It comes down to you. You fail or succeed, and I'm not a huge fan of the word failure, but you fail or succeed based on what you bring to the table, right? So like Brad said, and that was a very bold statement, but it's a very true statement. It comes down to you, right? What was the exact thing that you said? Like the only way to heal is yeah. to, to self heal, to self cure. Yeah. Right. It's yeah, just that, a matter of how you're going to do, do it. it. And it's not, a, it's actually not a very extreme view. Um, founders of CBT, mm. cognitive behavioral therapy. I was just going to say that. Hold that same belief. A lot of the, and excuse me for saying and this. And multiple other people that I've seen. The OG people, <laughs> the, the original people. Gangsters. Shapiro, Schwartz, uh, the CBT guy whose name I forget. Well, they, they, they believe that they always have the caveat though, because by profession. So like we're, we're very different. 
right? So we don't come from the, we weren't brought up in the therapy system, right? We, we immersed ourselves after the fact mm-hmm, into it mm-hmm. to, to learn everything. So it wasn't like we shunned everything that existed. It's like we, we learned absolutely everything we could from what, what was working. And there's a lot of really great stuff mm-hmm. in the therapy system, what people are, what therapists do, what they teach so much great stuff in mm-hmm. psychology and amazing science. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. But these, a lot of these people, actually Shapiro was different. She wasn't brought up in Francine Shapiro, inventor, founder of no, she's EMDR. A, she's a writer, I think. She wasn't actually in it. No. Um, which, is, which she is one of the biggest proponents for self-healing. She right? is, yeah. That's was. why she wrote that book. Oh, Unfortunately, she I passed away. I know. I would have loved to have met her. Um, amazing woman. But uh, yeah, she she was, right? Which is interesting because she was an outsider she's as well, right? an outsider, right? right. To the industry. Whereas... Um, some of these other people's, I, I won't name names specifically, but some, um, some very prominent people who developed some really great, really great. I'm not, I'm not even bashing their work at all, but one caveat to their belief, they're like, you know, the, they do say the patient needs to be willing and, and, and wants to heal or wants to get better, wants to improve if they are to heal or to get better. Right. 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 If they don't, if the patient doesn't want to get better, they're not going to get better is what they say. Right. Right. Which is another way of saying like, you have to show up, you have to want this. You're the only person who can make a difference in your life. Mm-hmm. And they do say this well, but they also say self-therapy has limits to it that you will still want to go see a professional and they, they, they withhold a lot of information from people to self heal. Right. They still almost put it in this ivory tower of like therapists and you have to go through kind of the, the, uh, help me out with system. the system. The system, you have to go through the system, pass all the tests, whatever to attain this other knowledge. Um, and they're, they're, they're current. So it's whatever they basically say that, you know, there's a lot of limitations to self therapy. You need a clinician. Right. So right. they they believe it's it's self-healing, but they don't fully believe in self-therapy. And that's I believe is going to be the next big shift. Right. Where the the knowledge from the top in the ivory tower is no longer held for the therapist, it's actually taught. Right. Across the world to their patients. They teach their patients how to do that on their own time so that they're not chained to them. So cuz I believe there's there's a, there's a um it's like a weird relationship, mm-hmm. you know, with a, with a therapist. It's like, as a therapist, I only get paid for as long as you're hurt, which I'm not saying that is a bad thing. Right. So, and I, I'm not saying that this is what people think either, but the longer that you are hurt and the more dependent you are on me, the more security I have in my business and my life. Right. right. So like the incentives are almost a little off there. Right. So right. It, it would be interesting and I think with the internet and a lot of other things, a lot of this knowledge is going to trickle down and get into the hands of everyday people. And ultimately, that's what I want. I want all the great information that all the great therapists and everybody else, all these great like uh, scientists, social scientists, psychologists, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. I want all that great information not being withheld from everyday people who are suffering because they're scared that they are going to hurt themselves when they are already killing themselves. Well, so I was just going to bring that up. It's like- my hope that they I, or my belief that that is going to trickle down. Or hopefully that glass ceiling is going to be shattered 
And that's part of our goal too, is like bring that information to everybody. And that's the thing. And and I remember you pretty distinctly saying something along the lines of that to me at some point on my journey, because I was like very, very scared to like try anything in regard to like healing. But, you know, Brad kind of like he sat me down. And he's like, like, look at your life for a quick second. Because like, <laughs> you were afraid because I, I was, was like, we need to, to get do this hurt. ourselves because there's no way that we're going to heal on one session a week. Right. And so I was afraid to get hurt. And so he was like, well, you're having flashbacks all the time. You're, you're having nightmares. Getting hurt from using these tools on your own. Yeah. Just to, just to clarify. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I was, I had this belief that if I did anything on my own, I would like do, do damage. Cause that's the other belief. That's just, that's another this, belief. That's the caveat that even these, these great people have. It's like, well, if you do this on your own, you're going to hurt yourself. It's like, bro, I'm already hurting. Well, and that's the thing. Like you've, you've already been traumatized for so many people. You're already suicidal. You're self-harming. Yeah, you're, you, like- you have all these addictions. Like you're very effectively, typically ruining your life in many different ways. And you're not your empowered health. with the tools to change it. Yeah. And you have nothing. You have nothing. And so like it gets to a point where it's like, it, it cannot make me any worse. Yeah. You know what I mean? And hopefully you don't get to that point where it's like, I'm going to try to heal myself because I can't imagine my life getting any worse. So I'm just going to try. So hopefully you don't get pushed to that yeah, point. Yeah, we don't want you But that, that was far. the point that you were pushed to where it's like, I'm literally having suicidal thoughts. I'm literally having nightmares all night. Mm-hmm. I'm literally having flashbacks for the majority of my day. Yep. What more harm can I do? Right. And guess what? You go to, you went to a therapist and they're like, I can't, I can't teach you that. It's too dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, how can it be more dangerous than what I'm going through? Cause what I'm going through is uh, I'm, you know, reliving all these things uncontrolled. Yeah. It, my like worst case is I'm reliving them slightly controlled. Right. And so that's what I kind of talk myself into. And the, the good news is it's not like that. You don't have to relive things. It's not this big traumatic experience to heal. But that's the belief, and I don't know where it comes from. I don't know if it comes from cinema or whatever. Well, therapists. I I mean, yeah. Like the whole kind of foundational thing. Like you think of the founders, they hold that belief, and then that just that kind of trickles up. And then also the therapists are scared to teach people things. Right. Because what if they do get hurt? Will I be held liable? Will I be in a lawsuit? Right. Blah, 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 blah. And then that belief is trickled down to the everyday person who's going to therapy. And they're like, I can't do this on my own. So then you you almost get like this defeatist attitude yeah. of like, I can't do this because it is too dangerous, even though I'm already at risk of killing myself or even though I'm already ruining my life and yelling and screaming at people or even though yeah. I'm having flashbacks and nightmares right. all day and all night. So it's like, really? I'm going to hurt myself more by you teaching me the things that could help me? It makes no sense and I don't mean when to you be break blunt, it down in that way. Right? But like, how could you be more hurt than being dead? <laughs> I'm serious. Like, or and even I, self-harming. I, like that's a, that's a really good point. How could you be more hurt than you're literally self-harming? And a lot of people do that. A lot of people are doing that. Right? And even if it's not like, you know, some people think of self-harm and they think of like, uh, more extreme, right? But some like self harm is not taking care of yourself. It's not exercising. It's yeah. binge eating. It's me, drinking. It binge it's other addictions. Like all of that is is self harm. Yeah. Right. If it's not self care, which means it's helping you long term, it's self harm, right? And so there are many different like it, that's a very wide kind of net. Yeah. Like I remember 
my self-harm thing was overeating. And I literally mm-hmm. remember thinking, I don't mind eating. I would literally go to Domino's. I get two pizzas. I'd be like, I literally don't mind eating two pizzas, even though I know that this could give me a heart attack mm-hmm. because a heart attack would be very welcome right now. Right. It's like this. It's like, it's a hard thing to say. Yeah. You know, like I don't mind eating, basically beating my body up in this way, even though I know that it could lead to me dying because dying would be welcome. Right. Freaking bad, right? It's really bad. And there's a lot of people in that state. There's like, I wouldn't really care if I died today. Right. And actually I would like to, you know. Right. And like, I'm not going to directly do it. But I'm I'm going to do it in a different way. You know, yeah. there are so many different ways to yeah. to go about that. Um, and, you know, to kind of s- circle it back in here. One of the many, many amazing benefits of being able to heal on your own and knowing these tools and skills on your own is that when you're triggered, you can use them. So when you're triggered, not only like and coping skills are amazing, right? Brad already talked about um, my book that I released, I guess last year already. Um, and that teaches yeah. you amazing coping. That's the tools. first step. That's if you don't know coping step. tools right now, you need to learn good, solid coping tools that you can rely on to get control of your symptoms because that gives you, that control gives you confidence. And like I said earlier, that confidence can be enough for you to get out into the world and living again, but it doesn't stop there. It's just step one. That is literally what we call damage control. So like the very first thing we want to teach people is like coping skills, because that is what is going to give you some semblance of control. And then from there, we start to dig deeper. We layer on the mindset. We layer on, you know, the habit change and the routines and the lifestyle change. We layer on the processing. Right. And so when you're triggered, right, damage control, number one, right, the, the, we call them recovery toolbox tools, but the coping skills, the positive coping skills. But when you know how to process trauma, and you're at that kind of point in the journey, and you know, the tools to use to be able to process and heal trauma, you can do those when you're triggered. Mm -hmm. And so no longer is being triggered the worst thing in the world, it's actually an opportunity. And it's a very good opportunity because Mm -hmm. those emotions are raw. They're out, you know, and I I teach and I won't get into it because it's a little bit better visual than auditory. But the way that the brain stores that information and when it brings it out, that's a great opportunity to do processing Processing. on it. Because it's out. It's fresh. It's It's right there. It's asking to be dealt with. And then you're like, and then when you know the processing tools, you're like, trigger me. Trigger me so I can deal with this and I can heal this trigger for good permanently so I never have to get triggered again. Mm -hmm. And that's a really huge mindset shift that we help people with because triggers can be so terrifying when they know the tools. Right. Well, right. when I, they need I the Kaylin's like, no, no, no. Well, I want to say something <laughs> else about that. Tools. You don't need to be triggered in order to process. Oh yeah, right? that's that's true too. Yeah. yeah. So I want to. That was just a joke. I'm. I was. I was exaggerating a little bit. Where it's yeah. like, yes, please trigger me. Right. 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 Um, <laughs> because it does become like, you know, there are some things trauma, some traumas that are going to be obvious that you're going to be able to sit down and process, and you do not have to be triggered to process them. Right. And right. then there are going to be some things where you're like. I'm triggered right now and I have no idea where this is coming from. And then you can process it right then, right there. So it's a mixed bag. But um, I mean, that's what you can do. And this is your life we're talking about. I mean, really, really important. (laughs) And And you matter. Your life matters. It 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 does does. matter. 
And even if you're, you're not so sure that it does right now, it does. And it matters to someone. Actually, I was thinking about this yesterday. Maybe this can be its own podcast. I was going to do a YouTube video on this. Uh, I, I work out in, with a group of women, probably like 30 women. I don't know, maybe more. And one of the women have been a, has been absent for a number of, of months. She had surgery and uh, she's still recovering from it. And I had asked one of the women, like, you know, when is she going to be back? Now, what I realized when I asked that question was not like I knew that I cared about this woman, but uh, I've had very few interactions with her, very few conversations with her. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is that she has no idea that I care, that I asked how she's doing and when she's going to be back and that she's missed because she's not hearing that conversation. And so even people you think you you just have no idea how many people care about you mm-hmm. and I, I that you know that's a scary place to be in but you know we are dealing with your life and that should be in your hands and healing from ptsd from cptsd right which is which is what we had it's it's gonna take some effort like i i don't want to lie to you and say oh yeah like well, you know you're gonna be able to come into the program, whatever, learn the tools and, you know, 10, 15, 20 hours, you're going to be all set. No, like we're looking at a hundred hours of processing. That's, that is just the first breakthrough too. No, I, I disagree when you say that. Um, because I think a lot happens before that, uh, for people when they process, I I wouldn't say that's the first breakthrough. That might be one of the biggest breakthroughs. That's what I'm, that's what I mean. The first biggest breakthrough in processing in regards to real deep healing at the root and also learning the tools because there's a learning curve to the tools. There is a learning curve to the tools. My one-on-one coaching sessions with people. That's, that's where the number comes from. I'm not, we're not just pulling this out of a hat. Right. Right. Like when we did coaching sessions, we consistently found again and again and again. And we track this with people. How much time did they spend processing? We tracked their distress level week to week. We tracked the amount of time that they spent processing. And, you know, it varied how long it took people to get around a hundred hours. But around that point, you, you would see this massive drop. So like in, night and day change. In, in distress level. This is, this is like the amount of change that, you know, the client that we were talking about earlier, where it's like, She's going back to get her dream job. Right, right. She's she's going out scuba diving or free diving, whatever it is. Like it's that level where you can actually seriously function in life again. And it doesn't mean you're 100%. Right. But you get your biggest breakthrough around 100 around 100 hours. For some it was like 92, for some it was like 112, you know, so it's like it's a it's a range in between there, but 100's a, a nice a really solid number to aim for once you once you know the processing tools and you're doing it right and you're doing it consistently and like i said some people you know did the 100 100 hours over and we didn't even say we didn't even put the thought in their mind either we weren't like okay do 100 hours and that's when you get your biggest breakthrough so the, like this was just totally independent of that belief and it was based off of the data um but some people did it over like 3 4 months some people did it over like a month and a half Right. And they still got that. So it was, it was time-based. So, and that's another really important thing is like recovery is time-based. How much time are you actually putting into processing? And that's another really great discovery. Well, I was just going to say that right? for those of you who like uh, little mental gen- gymnastics like this, like Brad and I do, 
50 minutes a week if you're squeezing everything you can out of it and the only thing you're doing is processing. Now, there's a lot of information you need, you need to learn to build up to that processing in regard to mindset you yeah. know, change. Um, but in 50 minutes in the therapy session is what you're saying. That's what I'm saying, right? 50 minutes a week in a therapy session, do the math on how long it's going to take you to get to a hundred hours. Yeah. And that's, that's, you're not going to be processing for 50 minutes. There's going to be chit chat in the beginning, chit chat mm-hmm. at the end. And you might not be, you're not, might not be with the best therapist who has the right beliefs. You might be with a therapist that your whose goal is management or who has the right tools or who is using the wrong tools on you. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh where you're not actually processing the root of trauma. Or who, who you just don't feel things. comfortable with. Or you don't feel there's comfortable so enough many to be variables. honest with. Yeah, there's so many variables with it. But the like, really, if you're lucky, you're going to get 30 minutes if you have a good therapist, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So you're talking about like four years. Mm-hmm. Four years if you were consistent with that and you don't give up. And like, even then, like the thing, the thing too is like, we haven't tested like processing over the course of four years. Like maybe you have to go back and revisit since you're doing it so infrequently and you're not going deep. Right. Cause there's, 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 there's a level to processing and this is going a little bit more advanced, but like if you only do it for 30 minutes, it's like, well, maybe if you went another five minutes longer, like imagine yourself like going into like a cave, right. To like find gold. Right. So you walk in for 30 minutes. Right. And then you walk out. Right. Right. Yeah. And let's say like at every point you get like a, there's like checkpoints, right? So then the next time you start, you would start at the checkpoint. Um, kind of like a video game, but let's say like you go in 30 minutes and then you come out and go in 30 minutes and you come out and you go in 30 minutes and then you come out and you never reach the first checkpoint, but maybe you just need to go five minutes more to go there. And that's like, like it's important to be consistent with your processing, but there's also like, there's an art to it. Like you have to kind of feel it out and be like, okay, yeah. I need to push it a little bit further, a little bit longer because I'm, I'm on the cusp of a, of a really great breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's that, that again is another reason why you want to do this independently. You want to self heal. You want to learn how to do self therapy because you can feel that out. You know, the skills, you know, yourself, you start to learn yourself better, right? You don't like, you don't know yourself well in the beginning, but you learn. But anyway, it's time-based. So it could take up to four years if you have the right therapist. And like, that's not in really, the and they go on like vacation and stuff too. Perfect, and you go on vacation. Perfect, perfect conditions. Yeah. Perfect conditions. So it's, it's, it's and this is why so many people, it never happens to never because happens. like literally never happens to because I mean, and by the way, during that, there's four so many years, wrong, so many, like, the, not you, but PTSD is causing so much more damage in your life. Your relationships are continuing to get worse. You're continuing to hurt your kids. Oh, You're how, continuing to hurt yourself. How about co- compounding trauma? Right. So like yes. you have, okay. You have like the original trauma that you go through in life, mm-hmm. right. Or multiple traumas. Sure, Let's say yeah. like whatever you get abused as a kid, or you go through like a natural disaster or something, right. whatever it is. Sure. And that gives you PTSD. Right. And then let's say you're in a relationship, right? And you're going to therapy once a week and you have the perfect therapist and you get 30 minutes of processing a week. How much damage is going to be done in that relationship with yelling and fighting? How much loss are you going to to have over the course of four years? Are you going to experience any more trauma? Because a lot of trauma can happen within a relationship when PTSD already exists. Mm -hmm. It's almost guaranteed. Right. I'll say the answer is yes. On both sides. And a lot. So not only are you trying to catch up on the traumas from your past, you're also adding new traumas because of the lack of healing. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Right. So it's like, do you ever dig yourself out of that? If you're going so slowly, well, there has to be a, like so many people you talk to, well, Oh, I've been in therapy for decades. Well, why is that? Right. Like the, the cadence is, is too slow. It's a broken model period. It's broken. It's broken. And again, that's like not to say belief. therapy is bad and it, it no, can be so a tremendous aid and like all, like all of that. The weekly it, therapy session model is broken. Mm-hmm. If that's the right. only thing you're doing, here's the cold hard truth. It is not going to get you there. It's not enough. It's not enough. Even in the perfect conditions, it's not enough. So what do you do? You take it into your own hands. So I'm going to ask you a question. Not you, Brad, but I'm going to ask everyone here a question. Probably answer it. Uh, well, I would appreciate if you answered it. <laughs> Can PTSD be self-cured? Ooh. Are you challenging me? I'm not challenging you. Or do you think I went to like secret therapy sessions at night? No, I'm not challenging you. <laughs> well, you don't think I did the work? No, I hope the the resounding <laughs> answer that everyone else gave was yes after listening to all this. Yeah. I, I hope that's the answer that we gave you. Yes. It can be self-cured. It can be, you, you know, and again, I don't like the, the word cure, but you can heal it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Sorry, I took that ex- exceptionally personally. Yeah. Right I, I don't know yeah, what was going on over there. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you next time. I thought I thought you'd be like, yes, heck yes. No, um, <laughs> just rewind that. Uh, but the the answer is yes. It can be. Brad and I did it. 100%. Right? And the, the cool thing about it. Not only did we do it, there's literally every day in our community. Every day. See people healing on their own. And, you know, what we do is not, it's not therapy. We don't talk to people and guide them through their past like we don't do that which is beautiful because you get to do it in such an intimate personal way with yourself you build this amazing relationship with yourself what we do is we teach you the tools on how to do it and then help you improve on that skill so that you are empowered to fully recover and then you have those tools and skills for life yeah. Not only do you get to fully heal and fully recover, you have those skills to teach your kids, to teach other people in your life. You have that in case you experience any pain, not even big T trauma pain, oh any pain in your life. I still use that. I, I wrote an email today to our yeah, list. Yeah, I saw that email. Which those of you want to be on the list, you go to Um, But I wrote an email about how I still use the tools. I used the tools this past weekend mm-hmm. to overcome something that I was feeling that ended up being a feeling and a belief that I was not a good leader. Mm-hmm. So I used the tools to overcome this other false belief that was causing me distress and fear and causing me to make emotional decisions about things that I shouldn't, I shouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. Right. It wasn't PTSD. Not at all, but I still use the tools and it's made me a better person. It allowed me like the tools empowered me to solve those problems. And it's incredible. And that's the thing is like it, it it's like the tools aren't just for PTSD. It's for basically resolving any type of inner problem that you experience, any kind of inner disturbance that you experience. And that's how like, like there's the common excuse where it's like, Oh, PTSD. There's no one size fits fits all solution to mm-hmm, PTSD mm-hmm. or cure to PTSD. And like at the end of the day, that's an excuse. You're, you're like, you're telling yourself, you know, I'm different. I'm special. I'm mm-hmm. different than everybody else. I'm a special case and therefore I can't heal. So, and that's, that's the belief and that's the reasoning behind it. I'm different. I can't heal. 
your trauma was different. You like, and they make the assumptions, oh, your trauma must have been easy or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Promise me it was not freaking easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but whatever. It's, it's, it's definitely something you want to you want to be aware of. Well, and that can be a whole session in and of itself, like all the yeah, excuses so that people make, things. right? Like especially if a therapist has told you, "Oh, well, you know, you're you're the worst case of trauma I've ever seen and it's different for you and you're treatment resistant." Uh we we've every day we help people in that exact situation. Yeah. yeah. But I'm going to ask you one more question. All right. Yes. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> can PTSD be self-cured? What are you saying? Are you saying I went to secret therapy sessions at night? This guy obviously yes, has some more is. work to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it can be Anyways, self-cured. I, I hope you guys got a lot of value out of this episode. Hope you believe that healing yourself is possible. Hope you like. No, I hope you 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 drop a little subscribe, drop a review, help us reach more people. And if Kayleen doesn't have anything left to say, we'll see you in the next episode. See you next time. <laughs>